In this session this afternoon, I'll be offering some guidance on working, not working with, opening to and exploring emotions, and especially the more challenging emotions that Tara spoke about last night, as these can often be very difficult to bring mindfulness to. We so easily get lost, caught, or identified when we have these strong emotional responses, reactions to experience. And as we do the equanimity practice, even though we can cultivate this sincere intention, you could even say wish or aspiration to develop equanimity, as we're deliberately bringing up these different people or situations um, that may have some challenge to them, it's understandable that the mind and heart goes through all kinds of responses in relationship to that. These responses, these emotions, again, need not be hindrances, need not be obstacles to our practice, but really become our practice. And learning to develop skill and a wise relationship to these emotional responses is incredibly beneficial in our meditation practice, but also, of course, in our lives. We can understand more about this flow of emotions that we're always having, even if they're somewhat subtle, and have a sense of being able to connect with them, (coughs) feel them directly, know them, understand them, and particularly understand their nature, rather than thinking that they're telling us the truth about something, about someone else, about ourselves. But they, like all of our experiences, are arising due to causes and conditions, will persist for a while, short or long, then change and pass away. And so we bring these experiences into the field of our mindfulness, make them the subject of our mindfulness. And this can be a place of a lot of illumination, understanding, and compassion, and of course, equanimity, as we cultivate this wiser relationship, this open relationship to this flow of life that is our internal experience, all the thoughts and moods and emotions that pass through us. So we've talked here and there throughout the days we've already had about um, being with our experience, starting with this sense of the body sitting, knowing its nature and its essential qualities of heat or vibration or pressure or tingling. So we're with the body and the sense of the body as directly as possible. So not a story about the body, our thoughts or ideas about the body, even an image of the body, but rather this felt sense, this direct felt sense, as as unmediated as, as we can. Just this simple knowing of felt sense, sensations in the body. Same relationship with the breath, the coming and going of the breath. Also just know by sensations. But the breath itself can often reveal to us the state of our mind and heart. It if, you know, our emotions affect our breathing. Short, shallow breaths, if we're um, frightened or anxious. Deep breaths of 
getting intense emotion, belly full breath if there's uh, sadness or sobbing or crying or grief. And just the littlest nuances of breath can actually reveal something about our mood, state of mind. And then the thoughts that flow by, incessantly often it seems. These are also something that we can bring into our mindfulness, bring awareness to, and again, not be so lost in, not be so caught in. We can see a thought from, for what it is, this blip of energy in the mind. And if it's not recognized, not seen for what it is, not brought into mindfulness, it tells us the story of who we are. And all of, perhaps, depending on your tendencies, perhaps all of our failings, how we're not good enough, other people are doing this better, I did this better yesterday, you know, my last retreat was much more successful, or whatever story you might be telling yourself. So it creates our whole world of, of how we view ourselves in relationship to experience and to the external world. Yet the same thought can go by and we see it with mindfulness. And it has a beginning, a middle and an end. And then there's no stickiness. We see it, it's trying to get a hook in. It's trying to tell us something about ourselves that it thinks we need to know. But if we don't buy into it, if we don't give it energy, it's gone. It's just like the wisps of fog in the morning, translucent, transparent, evanescent. Emotions tend to be uh, a little longer lasting than a thought. Thoughts can obviously string themselves along so they seem fairly persistent, but if you, if you keep paying attention, you'll see this about thoughts. They arise and they pass again and again. And sometimes in our meditation, we can even be in the space between a thought. And there's that sense of openness, expansiveness, calm or equanimity, because we're not in that push or pull of the story our thoughts try to tell us. But emotions, as I said, can often last a little longer. Sometimes not. They can come by and go very quickly. But again, if we hold on to them, identify with them, again, they create a reality about who we are, about the situation, about the the world, about our relationships. So our practice is to see an emotion just for what it is. And I use the word emotion to mean uh, some, some... no, I say strong, but some clear response, sadness, anger, grief, um, excitement, joy. These are all emotions that we can experience. And then mood or state of mind can be something that's a little subtler and perhaps more pervasive. So a depression or um, a sadness. Can, sadness can be strong or it can be just in the background. Again, we don't need to put these experiences in boxes or that's a mood and that's an emotion. Whatever it is, if it's impacting us, can we know it? And so we start with just the simplest technique of naming, if we can. Oh, this is what's happening. And so this acronym that 
Tara introduced last night, some of you may be familiar with it, of rain is so helpful in working with emotions. So the first R stands for to recognize. So that's this naming capacity. And they've been doing research on uh, the emotional life and on the brain where they found and confirmed what the Buddha said 2,600 years ago, that naming something clearly really helps us into a different relationship with it. We can be a little more free of it or a little less identified. We can see its nature more clearly. So this naming is so helpful. Oh, this is fear. Oh, this is sadness. Oh, this is anger. All of the different shades of emotions that Tara offered last night. You don't have to find the exact perfect word, but sometimes we try on a few to see what is this that I'm feeling. Emotions, again, don't come in boxes. They're multifaceted and often layered. But we feel as directly as we can. What is this that I'm feeling? So this recognition. And then the A standing for acceptance. Here it is. This is the equanimity part of the practice. This is what's true for me right now. This tenderness, vulnerability, this longing, it's here. And so that combined with the recognition helps us be fully present for it. And then the eye is often, um, often represents interest or investigation. And that's not sort of getting out the dissecting tools and trying to te- break something apart into its constituents, but just I think the interest is is more what we're doing. We're curious. How do I feel this? How do I know this? How is this showing up right now in the body often? How is it affecting the breath? How, How is it in my jaw or in my eyes? Is there some heat or coolness in the body around this? Some places of contraction, some pulsing or vibrating? Again, emotions don't come with big neon flashing signs. Here is anger, you know, in this quadrant of the body. It moves, it shifts. But we can begin to learn, oh, this is the flavor of anger, or this is the flavor of fear in this territory. For the eye, I actually like intimacy. We're seeing if we can move a little closer to this experience, again, so we can know it more deeply. So we're not pushing it away, resisting, rejecting it, and we're not um, so lost in it that we don't have a relationship with it. So this intimacy that it lets us know it quite deeply, profoundly. And then the last, the end, is what I'm talking about, about emotions, true nature, non-identification, And that means, again, we're not lost saying, oh, I'm such an angry person, or I'm always so fearful, or here's this rage again, I thought I'd fixed that on my last retreat. Here it is, arising. The conditions were right, and this emotion is present. So non-identification, or not personal. Most of the time, I would say perhaps all of the time, we didn't choose to have this particular emotion. We're not in control of our emotional life the way, I don't know if we think we should be, but we're we're certainly not. 
They arise according to conditions. After they've arisen, how we relate to them, there we have more agency. A wise, skillful, compassionate relationship can radically transform the emotion and how we're experiencing it. A sense of failure or aversion or frustration. It's like a sticky web that we get tangled up in. So we just see, ah, conditions were right for sadness to arise. Or grief. Or fear. Whatever it might be. And I also like for the end nature. This is just what it is to be human. This is natural. This is the nature of being human, having a heart and a mind, all of these complexities of a life that we've talked about. These emotions happen. So it's natural or nature. It doesn't mean, again, that we're helpless victims of the emotion, that we're lost in them, that we have no choice here. Once we bring it into mindfulness, there's an array of skillful responses, depending on what the emotion is. If it's fear, we might bring um, a sense of resource or refuge, grounding. If it's anger, to open up the system so it can move through. We feel it, but we breathe with it. If it's joy or gladness, we can allow that to be embodied. But we do that with this intuitive wisdom that comes from the mindfulness. So the last end is so important. We don't get stuck. This is not telling us who we are or all we can be or always like this. It's the causes and conditions again and again and again. And in our practice, we can also have more subtle meditative experiences. And sometimes they're unfamiliar. The experience of calm or concentration or even equanimity. They have a flavor in the body that we can come to know. And with these positive, um, beneficial energies like calm or tranquility or equanimity or concentration, a sense of well-being. Knowing that, allowing ourselves to feel that, is what actually uh, allows us to uh, integrate those experiences so they're more knowable, more accessible, more possible as responses for us. So if something feels positive, beneficial, The practice is, can I feel this throughout the body? This sense of well-being, or gratitude, or joy, or calm. If it's something difficult, what's a skillful response? Sometimes when our first ally is always the mindfulness, this practice of rain that I've just been speaking about. But if something's really strong, sometimes we need... Um, what we call antidotes, other skillful means. So if it's an emotion like fear or anger, to do some metta, metta for yourself primarily. Or perhaps it's compassion practice, if you're feeling sadness or grief, the self-compassion where we just put our hands on our heart, say, this really hurts, 
this is hard. This loss, this pain. The second part of the self-compassion practice is just recognizing we're not alone. This is what it is to be human. We have a heart that feels, that hurts when loss happens. So we feel our kinship with other beings, with other human beings especially. And then we can offer ourselves a phrase or two of kindness. May I hold this sadness gently with kindness. May I be compassionate towards myself. May I be kind. So we actually just directly offer ourselves support. We're feeling sadness or fear or loss. So other, um, if, you, if you're feeling angry about someone or a situation, obviously here we're practicing mech, mech, um, equanimity, one of the wise responses. But sometimes that's not possible. So the compa- just feeling the suffering around the anger and allowing yourself to send yourself some metta. Sometimes our tendency is to send metta to the person we're angry with. And that can be helpful, but most importantly is to send it to ourselves. This is where we're feeling the hurt. This is where we're feeling the suffering. But just first letting ourselves feel it, the pain, the suffering around anger, aversion, irritation. That's part of what supports us in wanting to bring mindfulness there, wanting to understand what's going on. So again, we flow with these practices, inviting or intending towards the equanimity or the metta, and then these wise responses. No one right way, no one practice. And sometimes we just rest with the whole display, the body, the mind, the heart, going through its process, its conditioned nature, and seeing if we can just hold it. Sharon Salzberg wrote a book called A Heart as Wide as the World. And so we don't even interfere at all. We just let it play through and then see its nature. At some point, that drama, that, that uh, force of emotion will naturally change, morph, perhaps decrease. And then we notice that and come back again to just holding whatever's present. The practice can be very intuitive, a flow, of attending moment after moment with this interested, kind, relaxed attention to whatever's coming up. So just noticing as you're sitting here right now, what's the mood or emotion that's present? Could be very simple, somewhat neutral, Just sitting, breathing. 
Perhaps there's some frustration or a sense of too many words or fullness. How does that manifest? Rather than believing a story, feeling into this experience right now. How is it in the heart, in the center of the chest, or the diaphragm, or the abdomen? How does your face respond? Getting to know this place of just sitting, with perhaps not a lot happening. Often, if we're in that space, we almost look for trouble, make something happen, get resistant or impatient or restless. Can we just know this, this just sitting, just breathing, but being open to, attending to whatever flows through the field of our awareness, seeing that we're holding it in this vast field of awareness in which these displays are happening. And this awareness isn't the emotion, isn't the thought, isn't the sensation, but it knows those things but is untouched by them.
As I said this morning, what we're inviting you into is a very intuitive way of practicing. I've offered these teachings um, on, a, on a more intentional, on the more intentional practices like metta or equanimity. Certainly mentioned the compassion practice that I described just very briefly then in the opening of self-compassion. Some of you may have done that or similar practices. And then this practice of presence, of awareness, that's, keep saying, the foundation of, of what we do in our meditative journey. And so each of us will weave our own way through this. And it <clears throat> doesn't mean that because we've just done mindfulness of emotions that now you should all be having emotions and that's the trajectory for the rest of the day or re- retreat. But these are all layers of skillful means that you can use as you navigate your time here. And so again, you can sort of consciously have the intention or decide, just do some time of mindfulness practice, sitting, walking, walking, inclining towards simplicity, inclining towards presence, beautiful way to practice. And then maybe in that something comes up, some mood or memory, and the invitation then is to do some equanimity for a short time perhaps. Or you might consciously really want to create some um, momentum around the equanimity practice and do that for a series of sittings and walkings, but held in this sense of spaciousness. So we're not trying to get something done or trying to get somewhere. And I think this intuitive way of practice, even though it can feel, you know, some people like wanting to know what's the roadmap, what should I be doing, it actually calls each of us to be responsible for our own hearts and minds and our own practice and find this intuitive sense of what speaks right now, not just to feeling good, you know, or avoiding something, but really with this deep heartfelt inquiry, deep heartfelt um, intuitive awareness of of what serves a sense of openness, connection, well-being, whatever words you would put in there. So we're always engaged in that way. It's not passive at all. So each of us finding the flow. So we can take a couple of questions, one or two questions maybe, but if you want to stay in silence, you're welcome to leave. I know uh, Tara has meetings with at least one person right now, so welcome to